0: I don't do the most But I do a lot I'ma make a toast Cause we still alive No big I feel like Pac I shoot a shot I'm coming in And we
1: are back This is the Fat Packs Podcast On the Beckett Podcast Network We are live from the 40th Annual national sports collector convention this is a big one this is actually day three i have the pack geek jeff hofer with me uh, the co-host for the rest of the show
2: oh yeah what's up buddy how
1: are you doing dude i'm so excited to be here i'm I'm happy that you're finally here Uh, chicago is a different beast than cleveland where you were with (laughs) me at last year so i hope you're gonna enjoy that and then uh, on on my left you're right if you're listening on the radio dial is a good friend mr danny goldberg He's been on the uh, show recently talking about the Dow Sidecooks book that he's working on. But he's got a real interesting perspective uh, from his line of business and some quality control issues that uh, we all know that are going on in the hobby and some ways that maybe uh, companies can address them. Danny, what's going on?
3: I'm doing great, man. How are you?
1: Man, I'm so thrilled you're here. You're having a good time with Caleb, huh?
3: This is our fifth straight year, and he's having more fun this year because he's actually – Looking at cards instead of just looking around for memorabilia or looking around for free stuff. He's really getting into it. He just bought 20 Porzigas Prism rookies oh, because wow. w- we're hoping he's going to um, have a great year this year, no doubt. So uh,
1: before we get into like business, you guys are going to the Cubs game later?
3: Yeah, we're going to the day game, uh, Cubs game. He doesn't know this, but we got front row seats down the uh, third baseline. Ah. So I'm going to surprise him with that. and He's never Sweet. been to a Cubs game, so he's, he's going to be very excited. He's now. pretty
1: stoked about that. Mm. All right, so uh, – let's just follow up from the last conversation we had and we'll start with the book. How's the book going?
3: The book is going very well. We're still waiting on some interviews. We're trying to get to Tattoo and a couple of other big players. We're about half to three-fourths of the way done with the actual writing. Now it's just putting together the quality control and uh, syncing the interviews into the rest of the book. So, I'm hoping to be done by the end of the year. Have it out really in the spring. And and, uh, we'll see. We're still working on the publisher. Um, It's not going to be the widest. published book in the world I don't sure. know the demand for the sidekicks book but I know locally it should it should be in demand I would think I think so too now Jeff let's bring you in
1: here yeah I, yeah yeah I was, what,
2: what is this book <laughs>
3: what is it it sounds great I want to hear more about it so we're writing uh, a couple years ago I reached out to some of the sidekicks I grew up in Dallas grew up going to the games the games quite frankly were funner and better attended than the Maverick games back in the day. And my son's big into soccer. And this is indoor soccer. This is indoor soccer from the 80s. And they were bigger than the Mavericks, but the whole world's kind of forgotten about the mid-80s and and how big indoor soccer was. A lot of the innovations from the NBA teams of the 80s uh, from a marketing standpoint came from the uh, MISL. People don't know that. So I reached out to the head coach, he was very interested in it, and I've become pretty good friends with one of the ex-players, Mike Powers, who's actually an indoor soccer hall of famer, and he's been able to connect me with a lot of the players. Most of them are local, a lot of them work in the uh, community as uh, coaches for some of the big clubs, uh, some of them work for the Mavericks still. So uh, it's a very community driven uh, team from the 86-87 champions. And, and we're, we're getting there on the final uh, impetus of the book. I think the players are probably more excited than anybody else because we just passed the 30-year reunion. And, and I think they even feel like it hasn't been recognized. But back in the mid-'80s, it was a big deal. It was a huge deal. Yeah.
1: And you guys, you're from Kansas City. Uh, yeah. We were talking about the Kansas City the Comets. The Comets, right? Comets. yes. Yeah, the yes. Comets
2: were a big deal. I got to say, like, that, they made soccer extremely exciting to watch. They had, they had a whole light show at the beginning. It was, you know, it's fast-paced because it's a shorter field. Yep. That, that was a lot of fun. As somebody who has a hard time watching, like, World Cup soccer, mm. just because of pacing, yep. like, I loved watching the indoor soccer league.
3: It's ironic. The indoor soccer leagues they have now are the bigger field, the slower pace. It more replicates outdoor soccer. They took away a lot of, fun, a lot of the fun aspects, what you're really? talking about. Yeah, it doesn't, quite frankly, make much sense, in my opinion, because American fans got that. Now, soccer is pretty big here now. So I think the adjustment's taking place, but is there still a a place for that? I think there is.
2: I would think so. The entertainment value of those soccer games was so much higher than any other soccer I see these days. Off the charts,
3: man. I agree. All
2: right. Uh, We were talking off air about you had some thoughts
1: about Bowman. Hey, what's up, man? How are you doing? As my friend walks by, sorry about that. Uh, uh, David Wright, not that David Wright, but yes, that David Wright is in the building as he passes by wearing a Villain's Club. What's going on, buddy? Yeah. No, we don't. All right, that's okay. That's all right. They do. They do well. Awesome. All right, so uh, we were talking off air about Bowman Chrome draft, right? And, yes. Yes.
3: You had some thoughts about that you wanted to share, so lay it on me, man. Well, we've been really excited. The last couple years, we've really gotten into the draft. Um, I'd say we purchased way too many um, cases of those, and you see the progression of some of the picks. Looking at the pre-sale prices for the Bowman draft, they're probably 40 to 50% more than they have been the last few years. Quite frankly, they're kind of priced out of the market, so what we're looking at now, we'll probably buy some, but we're really looking and going back to, some of the draft in 15, 16, Brendan Rodgers, he didn't have a great uh, um, year so far, but the potential's still there, so the market has kind of fallen off. I'd compare it very similarly to Porzingis. Since the injury, uh, you know, and he's getting out of New York, his prices have completely crashed, where you can buy them real cheap, it's a pretty reasonable investment with a lot of upside. So we're really focusing on a couple of years back versus the 19, because I think I think everybody's kind of getting in the Bowman draft more and more. It's, I mean, a huge release, and again, unless you're going to get in directly from Tops, I, I just don't know the return. If you're going to look at it as uh, an as investment, uh, the return investment is really there right now.
1: Sure. Now, Jeff, I know that you're more of a '80s, '90s guy. True. But you can't. You even you can't deny like the popularity of Bowman Chrome Draft. Oh right? yeah. You, you see uh, it all. One hundred percent.
2: It is. It's exciting. That to me, that that is like the. Uh, the, the rookies, the lottery that people are going after. Sure. It, it, I mean, it's just a great card. And that always seems to be the key card for a player's rookie card, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. You, you're, you're saying 15,
1: 16. Vlad Guerrero Jr., right? Is that correct? Is he uh, G-
3: Guerrero is 16. Okay. So I'm really looking at 15 because okay. 16 prices are still very Ridiculous. high. Yeah. But again, you're getting more of a known commodity there for – I don't want to say similar price, maybe a little bit more for a box of sixteen than you'd be paying for nineteen. So, sure. which is a safer safer investment? To me, no doubt, it's the older ones.
1: Absolutely. All right, let's get into what the, the meat of the conversation here. Um, if you can describe describe what you can ab- about your day job, like what you do.
3: So, for a living, I do professional training. My background is all internal audit, accounting, and and what do you, what what really is that? Because people always ask, what well, what is internal audit? Because nobody quite frankly, cares, Um, it's all risk-based and controls. You've got a risk as an organization. How do you reduce that risk to an acceptable level by putting some controls in place? So um, comparing that to what's happening in the hobby now, um, and and a couple, when I've started uh, giving uh, cards to get graded over the past few years, I started asking a lot of questions as to what the process was really what the quality control process is because when i give you my card not to say anybody would do this but who's to say someone couldn't trade out my card if it's not numbered you know so so i asked a lot of questions and i've been thinking about it because man i the last few years with my son we finally got back into this about five years ago it's been you know it, i don't want to get uh, you know teary-eyed or anything but it's been such a great bonding experience for us to do this and we've been able to develop a business and, and so i have a A deep connection to the hobby, and I want to make sure it's uh, um, still well regarded and continues its family slash business atmosphere. And and so here's a couple of ideas, I guess, from a control consideration on how to really mitigate that risk of um, potential scandals that could happen. Um, So one thing that was actually suggested to me is... Uh, maybe as a premium service, when you give your cards to whichever grading company, uh, there's a uh, a video service that they videotape the process, the receipt of the cards, and um, the actual grading, and you could use it as a premium service and sell it back to the, uh, the uh, collector. Okay. So and actually that was suggested from one of the grading companies to me that that's something they were thinking about, and I was I was pretty impressed with that. Quite frankly, I thought that was a good idea. Because I think people are always wondering what's happening behind the scenes without giving away any secret sauce. I think that's a pretty reasonable suggestion. I think a lot of people, quite frankly, would pay for that, especially the high-end cards too. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
1: I, I think it's uh, it's a fine line. You yeah.
3: how do you how do you do it without giving away secret
1: sauce? Uh-huh. You know, so mm-hmm. um, it's it's definitely something that I know that other people have asked for because yeah. they want to see the process, and I get that. And I'm not a grader, so I, I'm not. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know uh, how they would be able to do that
3: what if, what if it had nothing to do with the grading process but just the handling up to the grading sure and then and then the um, the uh, casing process at that uh, point yeah I mean yeah. That,
1: that that would make sense uh, so you can see so people do unboxings or unveilings every day right yeah if it was something similar to that that, that yeah. makes sense I yeah. got you I got um, you any, Jeff got any thoughts yeah. on that
2: I, I I totally agree with what you said <laughs> it <laughs> okay. makes sense to me makes yeah. sense all right what's next
3: what about so they, you have minimum grades. Sure. So you can say minimum grades. What if they eliminated minimum grades completely?
1: If they eliminated minimum grades, I, I think it would cut down tremendously on time.
3: Yeah, it, it would. And you know, people are going to be a little more thoughtful with grading. Sure. Because I think that might have... Because when you're not getting the grade you want, or if you don't do the minimum grade, people will crack the case, potentially, right? Uh, yeah, of course. Nah. What about tamper-proof cases?
1: Yeah, that would be a big one. Tamper-proof casings, yeah. uh, I mean, absolutely. Is that not already... Well, in place. They're, they're supposed to be, but you can. But you can crack. i mean, I've seen. I don't recommend it. I've seen our cases. I've seen other other companies' cases put between two display cases and just smashed until they're gone, or that somebody you know does their best to break it out.
3: Yeah, and it's, there's it, YouTube videos yeah. I've seen well, on this too. I,
2: I guess here's the problem. What if you were doing a crossover or something? You have a tamper-proof case that is. There has to be some way to unlock that, right? Then it would,
3: you'd have to take it back to the grading company for them to do it. Okay. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know if the, the uh, technology exists, but if you if you, if you you really want to make this uh, more reliable, I guess, and, and, and the reputation risk you have from a market, if you just tell people, you, you know, look, you can't get into our cases or you're going to damage your card severely, I don't think people are going to mess with the cases unless you come back to us. Not even charge them for it. But it, this way, what are you doing effectively? Well, you're tracking the card. Sure. So I if got it gets you. out of the case, see, I think the problem is when the card gets out of the case and then is resubmitted. Grading companies, I mean, they have, really have no way to track that unless it's a numbered card, right? That's true. Yeah, so, and
2: your population report is off, and yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So
3: you really have no idea what happened to it at that point. Um, and this is where I don't know if this is even doable. Could they put some kind of chip in the case or a sticker that that you know we can scan it so you know which card is which because if it's tamper proof and if you put a sticker inside the case not on the card but inside the case you could track everything I mean this is going to be much more difficult from an inventory process in right. and out in the, in the pop report but at least we know if a card is resubmitted it would have to go back to us be open and at least you know that card is out there.
1: So Emmett Smith he has a uh he has an authentication company. I don't know if you, if you know that. Or not. I did know that. Yeah. So, so Emmett Smith has something, and he has, he uses a technology technology like this that he's been actually doing for years uh, on his autographs. There uh, there was a, there was a special chip yep. that you like. If that chip wasn't there, it wasn't an Emmett Smith autograph. So
3: the chip. So there's a chip in it.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
3: Good. Wait, how does that work?
1: So like, um, to be honest with you, I don't know all the particulars. Okay. However. On any of his memorabilia, any of his autographs, because his father, his father owned a um, owned a memorabilia shop in Florida. I didn't know. That. Yeah. So, so if you, while he was at the university, well, after he left Florida, don't want to get anybody in trouble in the NCAA here. After he <laughs> left the University of Florida, if you wanted an Emmitt Smith autograph, you had to go through his dad at his shop, and they monetized that. And they, and, the, and if it didn't have the sticker, it wasn't, or the chip, it wasn't right. Um, so I know that. Beckett, a, a while ago, like a, probably 10 or 15 years ago, did something with Emmitt Smith that they cut up one of his touchdown balls, uh-huh. and each piece of that ball had that chip on the back of it. And that's how you authenticated. That's how you knew it was his. So how do you scan the chip? It, I believe you had to go to his website, enter the number, okay. and that, even then that was it. Got it, got that it. Is, that's fascinating.
3: Yeah, see, and the fact that that technology exists and sure. is readily available, I mean, that's something to me that ne- needs to be done sooner rather than later. I got you. Reason.
2: And who would have thought Emmett Smith, Hall of Fame running back, (laughs) was going to revolutionize the... There's a lot of...
1: There would be a lot of money involved with with that. No doubt. No
3: doubt. It's going to cost more. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, in my business, all we do is talk about protecting the company's reputation. Sure. Because once you have a bad reputation, going back to our previous conversation on the star company cards. Sure. Once those are faked... People lose confidence in the market, right. and it took 15 years for that market to come back up. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yes, it's going to be some investment, but I, I think the company that does that is going to drive a lot of business. I too. got you,
1: I see you, I got um,
3: you. I think once, they, um, once you resubmit a card after it's cracked and the uh, grading company knows it's being resubmitted, it actually enters a different grading process, a much more strict grading process to make sure that if the card has been altered or anything like that, mm-hmm. you're able to it's just highly scrutinized at that point. I got even you. more so. I got
1: you. Okay.
3: And then and I don't know if this is possible, but to me the grading companies have got to start working together, a consolidated grading database or something where if I submit it to one, I don't like their grade so I submit it to another, we've got some kind of trail. Yeah. I think credibility to the industry to do something like that instead of competing with each other, starting to work together, cuz quite frankly in my industry there's a lot of competition. But their theory is there's always money to go around. And the more we work together uh, um, to to our all of our benefits, the more money we're all going to get.
1: Do you think, Jeff, that the battle lines, so to speak, have been drawn so much or, or so
2: deep in the dirt that that might not just ever happen? Um, some sort of agreement between the yeah. 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 I, I mean, I agree. I think it'd be really beneficial to have some sort of shared database right? and, and just an understanding, like a friendly understanding of, I'm just thinking, if, especially with serial number cards, you could flag a specific serial number card as being bad in, in yeah. some respect, and then everybody knows, so no one's time is wasted when that card comes through. You know, you know it's it, it's not authentic or it's been doctored or whatever it is. So you know, I do think there's ways to have some sort of shared database. I think it'd be great. I don't know if it'll happen, but I think the theory behind that is fantastic.
3: Yeah, and I think we're actually losing track of numbered cards. And I'm really talking about more, the higher risk is the non-numbered, maybe the vintage cards. Right, but sure. even the numbered cards we're not tracking very well, which is, which is indicative of the current process, quite frankly. I mean, those should be easily tracked yeah. and knowing when they're resubmitted because it's the same card. We know that ahead of time, too. Right. So, and, and you know, last thought on all this is, uh, something I speak on a lot is crisis management. And the whole theory with crisis management is you get ahead of the message. You want to control the message. So you've got to get ahead of the scandal as much as possible. Make an announcement, make some potential changes based on that. But you want to make sure as a company, your voice is heard. I don't think that's been done at all, quite frankly, for anybody. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think from a reputation standpoint, these are all things that I think should be potentially considered. We'll see if we go that route. So,
1: speaking to that point, and speaking out of turn, yeah. not damage more?
3: You know what, There's, a, and I think that's the theory, and if you look back at the history of, of corporate America, Tylenol, for example, they had the scandal here in Chicago with the cyanide uh, pills. Right. They got ahead of it, it wasn't even their responsibility because it happened in their distribution line, but they said, we're pulling everything off the distribution line because we want to make sure as a customer you're safe. Sure. We don't care if we did it or not, we're culpable, we're still going to do that. If they didn't do that, in my opinion, they probably wouldn't be a company today. Did they take a hit? Yes, they did. But the credibility, you'll gain more credibility by owning up to something or owning up to, here's what we're going to do, even if it wasn't our fault, but this happened in our industry, so we're going to make sure it doesn't happen to us. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to gain a lot more credibility. I see what you you mean, but in today's world with social media, words travel so fast nowadays that that if you don't get ahead of that message, man, silence, in many respects, Looks like guilt to many people.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I follow that. I follow that. All right, man. Uh, we're gonna get you out of here because uh, I know that you got a Cubs game to go to.
3: Sure I do. Appreciate
1: you stopping by. Uh, your thoughts are, uh, I, re- I respect them greatly. So thank you for sharing them here. My pleasure. Uh, and doing it in a manner that is uh, respectful to the industry as well, because uh, not again, not everybody on social media has that same kind of thought process. So.
3: No, I agree with you. And again, though, my goal here is to just help our industry man because i love it too much
1: sure absolutely jeff any party shots
2: uh well i was hoping to hear about the star cards but oh. we can talk about right. it another time
1: i got five minutes you want to talk about star cards oh anytime, time man <laughs> anytime. Let's, let's talk star cards yeah. then uh i want to tell you something that i was surprised by you gave me that uh, james Worthy yeah. star card no one claimed it are you kidding no me no one claimed it no. so we're gonna
3: do yeah. this we're gonna give that we're gonna give that star card away. It's a. It was a. It was an eighty-three, eighty-four. Or it, it's eighty-four, eighty-five. Okay. Uh, Court Kings, five x seven, and the five by seven display amazingly well. Yes, on the wall. absolutely. Yeah. So
1: I have that uh, on my desk back at Beckett. Uh, all you got to do to win that is uh, tweet at me, Fat Pack Star. And uh, we'll pick a winner in a week, uh, so we can give that a card away. Nobody claimed it. Let's hear about the
2: star collection. What do you got, Jeff? What do you got for him? Oh, well I, I'm just so uh, remind me. Is is Beckett the only grading company that currently grades them, and they still do? Correct? Because I know yeah. yes. there is obviously major issues with fakes. Yeah. Um,
3: but the but the issues, and again, I I think the thought process was it was prevalent to all the cards. It wasn't. It was the Jordan. It was the Ewing rookie. There was a couple. All the Jordans were under scrutiny, but good i am not far, i'm far from being very intelligent let's make that clear yet i can tell now which is a fake and which isn't really? the fakes are, are bad in bad. most cases
2: and we're talking about 80s star basketball cards by the way just to give some context here in case you're you're not familiar with those and if you aren't you should be because like i consider it a true jordan rookie in these sets and a, a lot of massive rookie cards in there Prior to the '86 uh, Fleer basketball set that everyone knows and loves, but so uh, it, are are you? Is there a specific player you're collecting? Or you just I've love got I've got
3: all the sets. I've I picked up a Jordan 101. I bought it off eBay, ungraded, 800 bucks. Um, it graded out dollars seven and a half. That's worth I think four or five. Now. When you say a Jordan 101, uh, 84, 85 star. That's his real rookie, because Jordan had a ton of rookies in the star star cards. Right. But his true rookie card. Uh, not a subset was the eighty four eighty five one oh one. okay and and again there, there 's a stigma behind those cards, but if you really want to look at the distribution, there was only five thousand of those compared to the eighty six eighty seven where there 's hundreds of thousands to millions of those out there. I mean that card should be exponentially worth more than just based on supply and demand well and that 's the problem. The supply is low, but the demand has picked up a lot the uh, eight and a half nine um, Jordan probably goes for 15, 10 to 15. And, and uh, the 9 or 10 uh, Fleer goes for less than that. But again, if you really look at the, d- uh, the supply, the supply is outrageously low. Oh, yeah. It's a fraction. And, and like the, the Maverick set. The Maverick set right. got thrown away uh, they, before they are distributed. So there was 500 sets in existence, period. Mm. And so an Aguirre rookie, um, a Blackman rookie, these are you know great players, not Hall of Famers, but on the cusp of being Hall of Famers that still you can get one, a nine grade for 70, 80 bucks, which is crazy to me and and worthy too. And uh, Drexler and Olajuwon, I mean, these, these cards, if you can get one in great condition, that is it to me, a good long term value because once PSA hopefully starts grading those again, because again, it is not difficult to tell the fakes in my opinion, not at all. I think the credibility of that market's going to skyrocket and I think they will come back eventually.
2: Is so my favorite set is the I think it's 85 Gatorade slam dunk with the green borders. That I love that. That was highly it's, highly faked
3: a lot. It, it's stacked. Yes.
2: That's what yes. I heard. So let me ask you: If someone wants to go out and pick some of these up, pick up a team set, is it safe to buy the bagged team set, or have they also faked the bag?
3: I can't. I'll be honest with you. I can't speak to that, but I haven't seen any faked bags. Okay. But okay. there's a there's a website. I have nothing to do with the website, but it's called StarCompanyGold.com. What, guy, I'm sorry. Star so Company Gold. Okay. If you want some information, uh, someone has put a lot of information out there. Um, Steve Taff actually, I've called him on occasion and asked him, hey, do you think this is fake or not? And he's been very t- honest with me and say, no, here's what you look for. So there's a lot of websites that you can pick up on. The coloring is usually off. That's, I mean, th- those green okay. ones, it's almost a light shade of green. Yeah. I've seen it bordering on like dark green or yellow at times because of the fake and so it's it's a and the paper's a different quality too okay so as soon as you feel the card in most cases you can tell if it's a fake so it's really not as difficult uh, as you think but again the fact that beckett grades these still is awesome because you can get some some comfort that you've got the real deal but again the the fakes were massive at the time but we're talking about 20 years ago now a lot of those fakes have precipitated out of the market so a lot of the stuff you're seeing today is very much real do i on occasion buy a fake yes but that's the beauty of ebay they've got the guarantee i contact them as soon as i a couple times they didn't have to take a becket. as soon as i feel the card i know it's fake and they refund my money immediately so i'm from my standpoint it's not as much of a risk as you think
2: got it, Sweet. Sweet it now
1: awesome all right and thank you for that little uh, quick breakdown on star appreciate it uh, again it's not his website but it's stark what is it
3: StarCompanyGold.com.
1: StarCompanyGold.com. And if you really want to know, just, just add him on Twitter, and uh, I'm sure he'll figure that out. Well, hey, when's
3: that book coming out? Yeah, when's that book coming out? The book, <laughs> hopefully, we're going to try to get it out in the spring. We're Our Twitter handles are DCLCards, and my other business handle is Danny M. Goldberg.
1: Yeah, go check him out there. Uh, he'll answer, you, help you out with your star cards. Of Look course. for that book in the spring about the Dallas Sidekicks. I'm telling you, it, it's probably a Homer thing, I get it, but that was a fun team, and that was a fun league. And they they even had trading cards, specific trading cards had, uh, of uh, yeah, had in, indoor soccer cards. So, and if you
3: are a big um, uh, indoor fan, Topeka, I think they've got a book out about not the, I don't think it was the Kansas City Comets, but another one, 500 page book about the history of the team. Sweet. Fantastic book came out last year. Awesome, go check that That's out, cool. All right, guys. Hang tight, and we'll be right back. Hey, this is Jared with Pristine Auction, and you're listening to Fat Pack.
1: All right, guys, we're moving right along here. Next interview is uh, my good friend, Mr. David Wright. Not that David Wright, but, yes, that David Wright. What's up, David? How
4: are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. A little tired from the drive, but I'm good. This is first day here. Tell me about customs. Uh, No, (laughs) no, customs was fine. It was your border. The border. Your border. They just randomly shut kiosks. Oh, no. And then it created a massive traffic jam. Nobody knew where to go. So, yeah, you... uh, I, li- I like how they just randomly shut booths when there's, like, about 50 cars in the line. It's,
2: sweet. It's how long of a drive are we talking?
4: Uh, normally, without uh, ice causing any problems at the border, should take me about eight hours. Mm. You drive that straight through? Uh, no, I stayed in Kalamazoo last night. All right, right, we'll yeah. A man would a man would have drove
1: straight through. That's what, a committed that? collector, though. <laughs> I said a man would have drove straight oh, through. Oh
2: no! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and a man would
1: have been off on the side of the road, <laughs> getting his ass
4: kicked by his wife.
1: Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, man. Yeah. You guys know David uh, from our Toronto shows, and we like to catch him and Chris here. Uh, our gimmick is as we close the show and we talk about wrestling for forty-five minutes, because that's what we like. But uh, we brought brought something different. Actually, Jeff brought something different this time. You guys know Jeff from the Pat Geek
2: shows. I also know that David appreciates a good 1980s baseball card, so uh, we got some of our favorite 1986 Donruss here, and uh, we thought, what the heck? While David's at the booth, why don't we try to pull a Conseco rookie? Now you guaranteed a Conseco rookie. I'm guaranteeing one. Uh, The reason being, I'll give you guys the background, we opened up a third of this box on one of our episodes. And got nothing. Nothing. So I'm thinking all the good stuff is left, because this came from a sealed box. A, uh, I guess as sealed as an 86 Donruss box can be. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, I feel good about this.
1: Now, David, for those who don't know you, because you, they haven't listened to the show ever before, because you've never been on or anything like that, you're a set guy. I am a set guy. And, like, this is your wheelhouse, too, like this Absolutely. this late 80s, early
4: 90s stuff. The other big car that's in this that I'm, you know... Being a Canadian, I'm offended you did not mention. Oh, my
2: goodness. <laughs> the Galarraga and... Oh, Galarraga and Fred McGriff. Fred McGriff.
4: Freddie McGriff.
1: The crime
2: dog. The
4: and crime the other dog. thing I'm choked about, there's 18 packs. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to complete the Hank Aaron puzzle. Oh.
2: Well, let's give it a shot. You know what? Let's end this podcast now. We're, we're, we're It's done. <laughs> let's do this. All right, we're
4: we going. All right, good luck, fellas. And can we wander these over to the Panini uh, booth and see if they'll... Uh, Complete the puzzle for us. Well, I'll complete the puzzle, or if we if we can get these uh, large size diamond kings. <laughs> mm.
1: Now, I want to just off top.
4: I pulled one of the greatest
1: cards ever for me. It's Sid Bream, Sid Bream, and his wooden leg. I'll show that to the camera.
4: Mm.
1: <laughs> we all know that Sid Bream couldn't make it around third, but Barry Bonds couldn't throw him out either, so it didn't really matter, right? Was it Barry Bonds? Am I
4: remembering that correctly? Reggie Jackson. Nice. That Reggie card is nice. But part of the 80 sets that I do like, going back to these, is any of the Pirates cards where you get the stovepipe hat. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The stovepipe hat is just fantastic. And my first card, Bob Walk with the amazing haircut. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, he knew it was card day <laughs> clearly. <laughs> He clearly got his
1: hair done. <laughs> So, <laughs> I got two Diamond Kings in my pack. Did did anybody else happen? That's to not people? even legal. That's not legal. I got both Kirk Gibson, and Dave Lopez. Were they back to back? No, they weren't. One was on front, one was on the back. So that's a little. I weird. myself
4: got Kirk Gibson.
2: You got Kirk Gibson. What is as well? going but on I with the Kirk not. Gibson? Did, Diamond I did, Kings. I know,
4: I, did not. I pulled a
2: Ryan Sandberg, not to be confused with his brother Ryan. Hey, underrated.
1: Paul O'Neill rated rookie. Nice. Very underrated. And then one for the one for the Canadian. Mr. Cecil
4: Filder, check it out. And Charlie Lee from the uh, the Blue Blanque Rouge, <laughs> nice. the Montreal Expos, So, who have nothing to do with the Washington Nationals. Let's get this straight. I'm sick and tired <laughs> of seeing the Washington Nationals, just because they stole the team, trump out this uniform. They should stop right now.
1: So can I tell you a quick story about Cecil Filder? Sure. It snowed in Texas. I know that's an amazing story, right? It snowed in Texas. The you didn't there. Exactly. That's great. And uh, so we got snowed in and couldn't couldn't drive because they don't do that in Texas uh, when it when it snows, David. What's the nearest snow plow to Texas? I don't. I think
2: would it be like Portland? Maybe. Well, let's just say the infrastructure is not set up for snow days.
1: So uh, we have a we have a family of blue jays in our backyard, and one of one of these blue jays flew down to get some food because we sprinkled some food out for them.
2: Oh, I thought this was a nod to to the Blue Jays, yeah, what the, is this? The, the, our, our favorite Toronto he's, baseball he's, team. He's, okay, bringing it, I, he's
1: bringing it around. He's I'm sorry. Around. So we have this family of Blue Jays in their backyard, <laughs> yeah. and one of them had apparently been hoarding food all winter long because that Blue Jay was so fat that I had to make sure there wasn't Cecil Fielder in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I you almost Cecil? stepped on your joke. <laughs> is that you, Cecil? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Kit Herbeck. Hey, Ricky Henderson. Ricky love Ricky. Ricky love Ricky. Ricky love Ricky. Ricky, love Ricky. In a Yankees uniform. You know, know. Going back
4: through these cards, seeing all these expos, perhaps my favorite expo of all time, Mr. Hubie Brooks. I'm Hubey glad to see Brooks. he showed up in archives. I think it was two years ago. Yeah, right. Uh, and he had an autograph in it. I'm, just, I'm glad to see those guys get love.
1: You know, the last Toronto show, you weren't there but I got to interview Mr. Steve Rogers from the uh, nice. from the Expos and it was a great it was a great conversation you can go back and find that in our archives and he told a great he talked about Blue Monday yep. which uh, he was very willing to do which I was thrilled for because that's not it's not at a high point in his career obviously but then he told great stories about when he knew he had made it and when he knew that he was done so right. uh, go go check out th- that in the archives look for Steve Rogers
2: Has anyone pulled a Canseco Rated Rookie yet? Not Not yet. yet. I'm getting impatient here. Tom Tom Here's here's
4: another aspect of cards that I think is getting sorely lost. I think there may be one in Series 1. Part of my obscure collecting is I collect photos of players that are bunting. Okay. And back in the 80s, you could find photos of players bunting regularly in sets. The photo selection was awesome. It necessarily wasn't pictures all the time, like this one's Lou Whitaker. Okay. But the photo selection seemed to be showing players with a bunt. Now, I know it's a lost start. We really don't <laughs> see it. We don't really see it in the game anymore, but it does happen, but you just don't see it in the photo selection anymore.
2: That's. There's some great action shots with buns. There is. There's Being fantastic thrown down. action. And I got to show the George Brett just because I am the biggest fan of George Brett. And then he had Pete Rose behind him. But
4: Look at that. Two in one pack. There's a Mookie Wilson bunting. Do we need we need to bring back the photos of players bunting.
2: That could be a subset.
4: No, don't make it a subset. Don't gimmick it up. <laughs> Just put them in the set.
2: Kirby Puckett, my wife's favorite player because of that glutamous maximus. Oh, yeah? How's she feel about the rape charge? Jeez, um, <laughs> man. Take it
1: take wow. it to a dark place. Jeez. I'm sorry. Everybody right remembers Kirby Puckett, but they always remember him for the good stuff. They don't talk about, never mind, I shouldn't talk about that. I'm going to edit all that out. That's coming out.
4: <laughs> now, here's a card here. Ron Hasse of the New York Yankees. Do you really think that perhaps Ron should have taken the day off with the mumps and not had his picture taken? Uh-oh. Oh, probably. <laughs> That's horrible. He needs to see a doctor. He doesn't, he doesn't need to have his photo taken.
2: All right, last pack. I have not. Man, pulled. and no, no Fred McGriff either. This is. I had a Danny Tartable rated rookie, and that's the highlight so Danny far. Danny Tartable. This is hot garbage, man. I'm upset. Right.
4: One pack left.
2: Man, remember that guarantee?
4: Yeah, you did. You did call that guarantee. Hey, Gary hey Matthews.
2: Huh? As the Beaver. Yes.
4: I got a Hank Aaron's foot, a knuckle. What? Hank Aaron's foot. Oh, nice.
1: Knuckle Presser. brothers. Here's the Negroes. If you need them, the Negroes. Nice.
4: Which one did you pull? Both of them. Oh, you pulled both of them. Yeah, it's called the Knuckle Brothers. Oh, it's because I got—I did pull the player card of—I uh, forget which Negro I pulled, but I pulled him in there.
2: All right. I like this Mike Schmidt card. That nice. That is a nice, classic-looking card. Sh- is that our third Kurt Bro, Gibson I'm, Diamond I'm King?
1: I'm trying to figure this. I—I I pulled th- two, I think, but the run on Kurt Gibson Diamond Kings here. Is ridiculous if anybody wants a Kurt Gibson diamond Kings. low print, come to the Beckett booth. I will give you one for free. Out of these, are not my cards, but you can have
4: it. That's one of my top 10 favorite baseball names of all time, Buddy Biancalana.
2: That is a, it's just it's, fun to say. It's, it's got a great ring to it. He sounds like he could host a morning show. Yeah,
1: he probably is the host of a morning show right he now. He might be like Good Morning San Francisco, everybody's or buddy, everybody's buddy. Best damn closer
4: in Blue Jays history. Tom, Tom
1: Hankey. Those glasses were intimidating. I don't care what anybody oh, says. Oh, absolutely. Those glasses <laughs> were intimidating. See and right through you. Here's here one of my favorite names in baseball. Oda B. McDowell? Oda B. McDowell, Oda B. Oh, yeah. And then also, I, I know I pulled it. I didn't show it, so I'm looking for it. Here's another Kirk Gibson. Was a oil did cam. you pull a Kirk o- Gibson? Right? I did not pull Oil Can Boyd. I can't find it. But or me, no, I, I did saw pull Kirk Gibson. That's, That's what I thought. And finally, three? this
4: is my... The only reason why I still watch the MLB Network. Okay. Harold Reynolds. Oh,
1: Harold Reynolds. Absolutely. Harold Reynolds. Yeah. Look at
4: that guy. He just enjoyed baseball. Also he enjoys good life of... and he enjoys highlights.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> good, great bunner he, as well. A Great bunner. <laughs> great, great. He
2: had the art of bunting down path
1: He sure did. So, um, back in
2: 1986... A young man named Vince Coleman was a real promising Mm -hmm. rookie. And I remember this card, Fleet Feet, with he and Willie McGee being a highlight of some of Young Jeff's 1986 Donruss openings. Did we get that all right?
1: How does Young Jeff feel about that?
2: Young Jeff was real excited about that. (laughs) And also the Vince Coleman rookie was a big deal back then. And I think it's also because being near kansas city i was close enough to st louis to where they were also a popular team in there. Sure, area absolutely
4: here's we, another card that you know we don't see anymore i love that he is just called oil can yeah exactly on the card yeah he's not dennis not, he's dennis. not dennis boyd yeah he's just <laughs> oil can, can. very nice
1: awesome card. very nice all right what are you doing here this week man what are, what are you looking for because i know that like when you come to this you always come with a set I, a I set, am looking to that destroy
4: quarter boxes, dime right. boxes, dollar boxes, 90s inserts, maybe finish off some sets if I'm lucky. Um, but mo- most often, I'm just here to see the people. I'm here to see the friends. I'm here sure. to see everybody.
2: Are you looking for any 86 Donruss, Kirk Gibson, Diamond Kings?
4: <laughs> uh, you know what? I just found one on the floor before I sat down here. <laughs> I got it out of a dollar box. And on yeah, a dollar. I got it out of a dollar box. I thought Sweet. it was a steal. <laughs> Apparently, they've been massively
1: printed, so I was wrong on that one.
4: <laughs>
1: so, Jeff, we're going to go a little off script here, and we're not going to go full wrestling because uh, Chris is not here to, to enjoy that. But he's wearing a Villains Club shirt. I know that you don't watch a lot of wrestling.
2: I, I am completely in the dark. I, it looks like a cool T-shirt. But Beyond that, I have no idea. He's sitting down in front of
1: me. I have to ask him. Ah. How are you feeling about AEW so far? I'm loving it. Yeah, I love the
4: fact that um, guys can go work wherever they want. It's you know they're n- they're not they're not stuck. It's not the, it's not the 90s, early 2000s right. anymore. Right. Right. They're not stuck working for one one federation, one federation only. Sure. You're starting to see indies become viable, which is great. Right. Because you get to see more people work how they want, when they want, where they want, and they can make a living out of it. And more fans get to see more stuff. So there's nothing. There's nothing bad about uh, the proliferation of all these all these different feds now. I love it. I,
1: I saved this question specifically for you because I knew that you would have thoughts about it. That first AEW pay-per-view was amazing. Yep. But that that Cody and Dustin Rose match was like over the top best match I've seen in oh. probably five years, if not ten years. Yeah,
4: ab- absolutely. Share your like thoughts that, on that. That is the way. I mean. It checked every box, yeah. right, for a match. I mean, going into it, nobody really need, Nobody really thought much of it sure. as far as I read. People right, were just right. like, okay, you know, it's two brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a great match. But you look at what it was, where it was, and the story it told. And it, I think it, it caught everybody by surprise. Sure. It blew everybody. Nobody thought that either of them had that match in them. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I mean the crowd the crowd enjoyed what they got. I think it it shot to the moon the stock of Cody Rhodes. Absolutely. It shot to the moon the stock of AEW. Yep. And it got people taking them seriously.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I know I know that you and I knew this and, and wrestling fans knew that, but it almost reintroduced Dustin. To a whole new generation of, of young young sure. wrestling guys who who might not have known him as Goldust, right. or, or God forget the Night Stalker or whatever that was that he did in WCW, <laughs> but it almost reintroduced him to the, to a whole new generation. Sure. And he was an absolute star of that pre-Attitude era, and even into the Attitude era, he—he's he, 50 and he's still wrestling like that. It's amazing. Sure,
4: and I mean, like you even—you even look at his career. Yeah. At, at what he did from NWA, from WCW, from all like all those. Now, staff. see, I know NWA. Okay. So. <laughs> he pops
2: in with the one thing.
4: <laughs> Good job. <laughs> there you go. You had that album. Right? I did. <laughs> you had that three albums album. straight out of Compton. <laughs> But no, you saw, you saw what Dustin did throughout his career, and it always felt... His career always felt stops and starts. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, the Gold Dust character took off, mm-hmm. but it wasn't... It, you could tell his heart wasn't in it. Sure. And you could see when he was doing the other characters, his heart really wasn't in it, and he never really had that match. Sure. I think that AEW was
1: that match. Absolutely. I think so, too. And it, it's a shame that it took him so long to get it but it was and amazing it,
4: and, and at least it didn't come on a semi rolling down the interstate oh
1: god they both got fired after that you know that <laughs> they both got fired after that we'll fill you in on that when we're done here all right all right all right guys we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back hang tight don't go anywhere because we got another one for you this is ncia
5: dick aka Abs, and you're listening to the fat pack
1: All right, we're moving right along here on uh, day three of the national, and uh, I got to tell you that the kidding me is really, really excited because I was walking, I was walking through the show floor, and I saw something that boom hit me right in the childhood, and it was a Roddy Piper authentic worn kilt, and then my good friend Chuck sticks his head out from around the corner, and says, "Hey, Eric, what's going on?" So. Chuck brought it down, so we have a great visual for you on the video feed, which is awesome. And he brought his friend Keita, who they, you guys run the auction house, is that right? The, yeah, the that's self- right,
5: yeah, memorabilia.expert. Memorabilia.expert,
1: but you guys know Chuck from last year when he was on the show. We talked a lot of soccer, but uh, this is a piece that I couldn't let go by. Chuck, what's what's going on, first of all, how are you
6: doing? I'm doing great, Eric. Uh, we've been following you, and it looks like you have been had a really busy year. But I knew from following you your passion for this event. Yeah. And these guys, and I, when I saw you, and I saw you slow down, I knew your heart was beating fast. It was. It
1: certainly was. This is, a, again, bam, right in the childhood. I Piper's Pit is such an integral part of, uh, of my childhood. And, and probably anybody who's uh, 30, 30 years old, 30 to 40 years old, is walking the floor, and to see an authentic kilt that he wore to the ring, and when, uh, we have a great picture of it right up here, man, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, and it's not
5: only the kilt, but it's the shirt. The and shi- if you see the shirt, there's actually the sweat stains underneath <laughs> the armpits, which is, I mean, that adds that adds more that's, to the shirt. That's Hot rod. I mean, exactly. Are you kidding me? It's like amazing that you can even see these many pieces.
1: Right. It's, it's it, so nuts. And what's more nuts is you didn't bring all of them. You have a robe. And, and the jacket down there as well. The
5: ja- well, first let's talk about that jacket. That jacket was—I mean—that was his. That was his signature. Was that leather right, jacket? Right, that leather jacket. And it's so worn in. Like i, I put it on. I'm like, okay. It's like put it on a blanket. Look, it looks so good. <laughs> but you know what? Really, it's that history of you know WrestleMania and right. you know and how it you know changed over. Right. And that—that's all—all really in when you look at this. I mean, it's so exciting and it sure. brings you back.
1: Absolutely, it does bring you right back. Let's talk about the, the providence of the pieces, because that's really what you guys are in auction house, yeah. and everybody wants to know providence. So let's, let's talk about that. Where did it come Peter from? Can tell well- you- about this. Yeah,
5: and Eric, you know, I mean, you know, Chuck's a great authenticator. Right. I mean, but this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it comes directly from the family. Okay. And really, more than anything, I think this is kind of honoring, you know, Rowdy, Roddy Piper, and everything that sure. he, the great villain that he was. Yeah. I mean, how? I mean, he, right? We love to hate him. Absolutely. And we just loved him. Absolutely. And so, I mean, if, if, you know, because I just know the family personally, and I just think one, it's, it's a tribute. So that's where it comes from. It doesn't get any better than this with provenance. It's straight from the source.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Now Chuck from your from your perspective speak to speak to how big Rowdy actually was. Well,
6: let me let me just preface by saying that if things have stayed the same mm-hmm. as they do often for years and years, but when things change, whether it's in sports or in in any industry, music industry, people can look back and see the highlights of it. Right. Wrestling has changed. There's been so many different factions, federations now it's changed because of the way media has it but this harkens back like you said speaks to your childhood Mm -hmm. this was a period in time i would say one of the golden ages absolutely yeah the characters that were built the industry the pop industry of wrestling was built during this period absolutely and these guys and we're not just talking about anybody could have stepped in it took certain personalities this gentleman Roddy Rowdy Piper mm-hmm. was that kind of gentleman who had a personality that could evoke people either for or against. And let's face it, when it comes to wrestling, that's what it was all about. Absolutely. But lastly, when people now get to look back nostalgically, they're seeing how important this period was. It started that mainstream of wrestling into TV, music, videos, mm-hmm. all those things grew up in the 80s mm-hmm. with right. these personalities. Sure. The last thing I'm gonna say about how these things come to auction, I can't tell you how many stories of people have taken stuff that were family heirlooms, they go into closets, they go into drawers, and nobody ever gets to see them. Sure. So when we get people walking by and they slow down they get uh-huh. to stare at this, We're uh, we're delighted. Absolutely. And we're also delighted some person's gonna have this in their collection and they're gonna put it on display, sure. and they're gonna be proud of it, but this is wrestling history right here. S- so yeah,
5: and how, and just really quickly, and how important, really, Rowdy was, right. is he brought, I mean, Ronda Rousey, right, right petitioned to wear his jacket, right that circle. leather jacket, right. I mean, and that's how prevalent it is.
1: Sure, yeah. absolutely. She, She's gonna be, she's not wrestling much right now, but she's gonna bring that next generation of female superstars up, and having a legacy, with the permission of the of the, the Piper family yeah. to be able to wear what she's wearing to the ring is, is amazing. Yeah. She's carrying on that, yeah. that brand and that legacy. It's absolutely great. For this is a piece that should actually be in a museum somewhere. Like
5: yeah, there is, there is, they do have, I think one piece that they did give to the museum. Okay. So there is there is something that was donated over awesome. there. Yeah. But really to have this available. Yeah, I mean it, it's like the 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 robe that's that's we have uh, on showcase on display here. Sure, is from the uh, from the fight that he fought Mr. T. Yeah. in the ring.
1: So that was that that match.
5: WrestleMania two.
1: WrestleMania two. He like legit hated Mr. T. He, he he wanted he thought Mr. T was making a mockery of the business. He did not like Mr. T at all, and that so when those punches that he's throwing, those jabs. Those are those are real punches. Yeah, there was a lot
5: of yeah. athleticism that had to go into what they were doing. It exactly. wasn't just yeah. character and bonk. yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So, it's it's such such crazy to see this here. Also, I think this also speaks to the importance of how popular he still is. He's mm-hmm. still modern mainstream popular. Uh, again, with with Ronda Rowdy Ronda Rousey, right? Right. But right. There, there's been a comic book about him recently. You know, he had a podcast up until the day he died. Yeah. He he's an absolute legend
6: even even in death he's still yeah. making mainstream media
5: yeah absolutely
6: I, I can tell you this eric i, I actually didn't know this collection because i flew in from new york so okay i had no idea exactly what was going to be here but sometimes destiny shines a week ago i was watching a, a, a up-to-date current tv show sure and he was the guest star really he was and he was a fine actor sure so we're not only talking about in the sports world and entertainment but he was a, a good actor not everybody can be popular and you know they have to feed him lines right. he was a consummate showman sure very professional at what he did mm-hmm. and if you look into his life he was dedicated at being better in his industry that, and that's probably one of the reasons thank you they have, they're cheering <laughs> for us <laughs>
5: Yeah, we thought so, too.
1: <laughs> so he has one of the most iconic lines in any movie ever. I came here to chew, chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of gum. So that was Rowdy Piper that said that. And it, right. it gets quoted. What, what, what all movie was that? Uh, uh, was it Us or They? It's, I forget the name of it. It was an alien movie that he was in. Yeah, you know and what? They.
5: And in the collection, they, right. in the collection, there are other things that he got from the movies, okay. like the jackets. I think there was a Superman or, okay. uh, that he was in, and there was some other... Uh, show props that he still had. Awesome, and that that'll be you know coming up and available. But again, that's just I, a I will tell what you he, this, Eric. What when does, it comes exactly. to
6: authentication, to have as many items that are on the cover of other publications. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He all the appearances you see with the magazines we have. Sure. And the items that are up for auction are on those magazines sure you don't really get better provenance than that right they I mean, their photo match there it is on it's Wrestling ultimate magazine. photo
5: match right you, right
6: uh, sometimes you get lucky and in this yeah, case right. it, it's just a wonderful collection because yeah, it's Absolutely. hard
5: it's hard to photo match i mean photo matching if if maybe five percent of the items out there are photo matchable photo style for sure but it's very difficult sure but with yeah. something like wait a minute with something with the gold with the yeah. gold lame collar. right and, uh, you know, and if, as a whole to see, it, see it together it match. just makes sense yeah. that
6: it comes from the family because yeah. nobody else could put right. that many things together. Uh, now that's tops doing their
1: countdown. So that means we're going to have to cut this a little <laughs> short. But before we do, when does all this go live on auction? August 10th. Okay. August
5: 10th, and you can you can bid on it online at memorabilia.expert. That's memorabilia.expert. You can also come, wait, you can fly to Las Vegas and come see it live at our showroom.
1: Awesome. So where's your showroom in Las Vegas? That is at
5: 1801 South Rainbow, Las Vegas, Nevada.
1: Awesome. So uh, two things on that then. First, go check it out August 10th. This goes live. Uh,
5: It's live right now, memorabilia.expert.
1: Memorabilia.expert. And if you're in Vegas for the Industry Summit, which is coming up, Go over and check out their showroom. See what's up. See what's going on. All right, guys? Uh, thank you so much both for coming and sitting down with me. Chuck, it was a pleasure seeing you again. Always, buddy. very nice meeting you, Zita. Okay. okay. Zeta, Kita, I'm Kita. Kita. I said Zita. Okay. My bad. All right. Uh, we got to go because Alan is going to get the guys behind me at Tops all fired up, and I don't want to try to talk over them, but it's been a real pleasure.
5: Eric, thank you. You're the best. Thank, thank you.
1: you. You guys hang tight. We'll be right back. This
4: is Joe Precio, Toy Super collective, and you're listening to the Fat Packs. Here, hey. how, I'm gonna stay on stage with you for a minute uh, and just say how are you, man?
1: I'm well. How are you, Ivan? I'm doing great. How's the show going for you? It's been fantastic. Now we're good. The
7: awesome. energy's so good in this room. I'm gonna give you all of it,
1: guys. Give it up for Ivan. Come on, give it up for Ivan. There you go. There you go, Ivan. Uh, of course, if you're if you're looking at the stage, <laughs> you can see Ivan's pretty face here on the on the display. He hosts uh, Go GTS Live mm-hmm. with Rob Bertrand every Thursday night which is great because Thursday afternoon you can catch my show, uh, Fat Packs Podcast, and uh, then you can catch uh, Go GTS Live Thursday night. All right, um, let's get this started. I wanna introduce, uh, I love when I meet a new old friend, if that makes any sense. Uh, this is Bart Silberman, he's from Super 7, and they have a new line of reaction figures coming out that centers around Hall of Fame baseball players and all-stars, and it's a great line that we wanna talk about. But uh, before we get to that, Bart, let's talk about you and your involvement in the hobby. How long have you been collecting and involving in in the hobby?
7: Oh, a long time. Uh, First cards I remember buying are 74s. So I was pretty avid 74 through, I graduated high school in 86. Okay. really focused on vintage all the way back to T206s. Like I, I was kind of psychotically into the history of the game of baseball. Okay. And uh, at that time it was great because you went to a, a convention in 1980, you know, and a T206 car would be a dollar. Sure. <laughs> it was a very different world than it is now. Absolutely. Um, and, and you know, I played baseball through high school and, and into college, and I always wanted to be around the game. I loved the game, and so I tried to figure out how could I stay involved in baseball uh, and the hobby but I couldn't play, Sure, I wasn't gonna open a baseball card shop necessarily. So I've managed to stay around the game for 25 to 30 years uh, on the creative side by okay. designing apparel for Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, having my own brands, working with tops on all kinds of things. And that kind of led us to where we're at now. I think it's this This product is very much fueled by me collecting as a kid. That's, that's beautiful. So let's look at the checklist right quick, if
1: you, if you don't mind. <laughs> And tell me, which one of these were your fi- was your favorite player as a kid, or are they all there because you picked them?
7: Well, yeah, by all means. Um, you know, there's a very sentimental one. I'm a psychotic Dodgers fan. All right. But in 1973, before I started collecting... Uh, I distinctly remember my first baseball memory is my dad telling me during the 73 World Series that Willie Mays is the greatest player of all time. All right. And then in about November, December of 73, my dad gets off of an airplane. This is back in the days when you could walk right up to the gate and see your dad when he gets off of an airplane. And who does he get off an airplane with? He's with Willie Mays. (laughs) And this is right after the World Series. Willie Mays reaches down and pats me on the head. You know nice to meet you Bart, signs an autograph for me, still have that autograph signed on my wall uh, to this day. And my youngest daughter is named Gracie Mays, kind of in honor of that, uh, that moment. So I've got to sentimentally pick Willie Mays. uh, And then the other would be Jackie Robinson and Campy because I'm a crazy Dodgers fan.
1: So the rest of the checklist reads out like this, Joe DiMaggio, Carl Yastrzemski, Willie Mays, Orlando Cepeda, Roy Campanella, Carlton Fisk, Mickey Mantle, It doesn't smell like bourbon, so I don't know if that's really Mickey (laughs) Mickey Mantle. Ted Williams, Juan Marshall, Yogi Berra, and Jackie Robinson. This is Series 1, and then you have the Philly Fanatic Series 1 mascots. Yes. Crazy Crab and Mr. Met. It's it's a really eclectic list of like a who's who, and then you add in those three mascots.
7: Tell me about that. Yeah, well, well, you know, Super 7 has been around for 18 years, and more on the pop culture side of collectibles, making toys and, Uh, action figures for things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Masters of the Universe and used to do some product for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we've always been into characters, not so much about just making an action figure of a person. So to be honest, on day one, when I had approached Brian Flynn, the owner and founder of Super 7, he's like a crazy baseball fan, he loves the game, he collected cards as a kid, but he immediately latched on to, oh my God, can we do action figures of the the mascots? And immediately was like Philly Fanatic and crazy crap, how can we do this? So we're always gonna to try to do something different. We don't necessarily want to do the most obvious, which you know, yes, we'll make Mike Trout at sure. some point, but right. that's not the first thing that we're going to do. Uh-huh. Uh, we're very interested and intrigued by doing the really obscure pieces. And you'll see mascots coming out all throughout 2020. The Philly Fanatic is available in about two weeks. Uh, Mr. Met and then Slugger from the Royals and Stomper from the A's and a few others come out for spring training next year Uh, and then we've got a whole wave of them coming out all year long.
1: That's awesome. So you you mentioned some other lines that you guys do there. You guys are very popular in the non-sports. You were just at the San Diego Comic-Con. Tell me
7: how that event went for you. Um, it was nuts. Yeah. And <laughs> exhausting. Uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, you know, we've been participating in it for over a decade, and if you're not familiar with San Diego Comic-Con, it's very much this show, the national, but on 10 times the steroids. It's just sheer insanity. Uh, we have people waiting for hours to buy product from us, and that's always a very gratifying and kind of crazy thing to me, that people yeah. wait for three hours to give you their money. Um, the show was beyond our wildest expectations. We launched brand new product from Peanuts with Charlie Brown and Snoopy and Ninja Turtles there. And we were a little unsure. You never know with a new product line how the, your customer base is gonna react. Sure. But our customers overwhelmingly dove into it and the sales were fantastic and the feedback after the show has been fantastic and super encouraging.
1: Now you said Charlie Brown and Snoopy. Yes. Where did that come
7: from? Well, actually it is a baseball tie. Okay. So, you know, Charles Schultz was a huge baseball fan. Yeah. And, you know, Peanuts is one of the most universally recognized things on the planet. And and so one of my things that I've brought to Super 7, Brian and the crew have done an amazing job doing things that kind of, you know, they skirt around the edges of popular culture with a lot of focus on Masters of the Universe or Alien. And one of my things was we've got to find things that appeal to a little kid and his grandfather, not even so much his dad. So something like Charlie Brown, it's like, how does that not put a smile on your face? And the fact that Charlie Brown, was, as a character and the whole gang, was very into baseball. At San Diego Comic-Con, we launched, we have a line called Keshi. They're one-and-a-half-inch blind boxes, Okay. and it's every Peanuts character playing baseball. And they're only a $5 retail. You know, we're not a crazy expensive company, Uh, and we had a great reaction to that. And um, they're also a Bay Area business, like Charles Schultz was from Santa Rosa. We're a San Francisco-based company. Uh, Nomi in our office came from Peanuts and and has a ton of knowledge about Peanuts history. So there's just a lot of tie-ins there that made it very logical for us to give that a shot and it worked beyond our wildest dreams. Awesome. So let's let's
1: get back to the baseball because that's we're here uh, promoting this great great lineup here. This one is a little, uh, it it makes a lot of sense to me because you're a Bay Area company. Yes. Right? Yes. But so some of the other names why not just go for again Bay Area guys. Is it a checklist that you wanted to kind of include everybody on?
7: Well, it's, it's a great question. You know, like I came into this from the, the baseball apparel world where you can just kind of make T-shirts and you could make them overnight. It's not that big of a deal. Right. It's been a very much a learning process for me when you want to make a toy out of China. Like this is a nine to 12 month minimum process. These products have actually been in development. We've had a license with Major League Baseball for over two years and the product is just coming to market now. So so because of that, we had to find a way to release our initial product in a way that was kind of digestible and safe. Sure. So that took us away from current players because we didn't know a year and a half ago what Jersey Bryce Harper would be wearing, right? We knew Jackie Robinson would always be number 42 on the Brooklyn Dodgers. So. Um, the decision was made early on to focus on vintage here for 2019. And then Brian came up with the idea of focusing on the natural rivalries of the Dodgers and Giants and the Red Sox and Yankees. And that's what got us into these first 11 players. Uh, So we just wanted to focus on four markets where we already had strong relationships. They're they're obviously huge markets, media and retail wise, and markets where we had relationships on the licensing side where we could get these players lined up because that's not easy to do. And and it all kind of came together that way.
2: Absolutely. I, I love the idea of focusing on a rivalry. I have to ask just for personal reasons. Is there any potential for a George Brett figure in the future?
7: Um, Yes. In 2020, I do believe George Brett will make the cut for Vintage Wave 2, probably in June or July, it looks like right now. And 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 a huge favorite of mine. I have 100% behind doing Brett as quick (laughs) as we can do
5: it.
2: So where, where can our collectors find these currently?
7: Um, so right now, we're, we've just kind of seeded the market in some smaller hobby shops, the Baseball Hall of Fame. The product is, is, is on MLB.com. That would be the most obvious place to find it right now. Uh, it's, it'll be at all four ballparks on September 1st. Uh, Dodger Stadium, Yankee Stadium, Fenway, and, and uh, it, what is it now? Pac Bell Park, Oracle Park. It changes yes, every right, season right, right. in San Francisco. Uh, And and so today, I would say MLB.com is your best bet, but by the end of the month, you should find them in most of your local hobby shops and uh, at the ballparks themselves. So basically, if you can't get to San Francisco, (laughs) New York, Boston. MLB.com is (laughs) your spot. MLB.com
1: is your spot. Exactly. That's awesome. So uh, can we give these away since they're they're sitting here in front of us? Yeah, by
7: all means. Can we give them away?
1: Uh, You want to
7: come up with a trivia question? Um, yeah, I got to think for a second here. All right. Uh, I'd, I'd like it to be around our players, but that's not sure. A... How about Joe DiMaggio? Can we Somewhere come around with... Joe DiMaggio? You want to... No, no. Let's do it like this. Does is...
2: why don't we Why don't we start out with a with a softball first? Okay. So, what incredibly famous Hall of Famer? did Bart get an autograph from as a youngster that found its way into this first series? Oh, right here, young man,
1: yes. Willie Mays, that's right, congratulations, right. come on up. You are a winner, you're a winner. Nice
2: work, come on up here.
1: You can, which, which one do you want, you want Fisk or Cepeda? Fisk, there
2: you go. Right.
1: Awesome. All right. Uh,
7: now, what, okay, so let's do one. Um, what other team did Carlton Fisk spend the bulk of his career with besides the Red Sox?
1: You're sitting in the city right now. <laughs> this is a
2: layup. Come on.
7: I bet
1: Stu knows.
2: What's
7: What city are you in today? Hold on. They can't hear us. You guys can do it. <laughs> Chicago.
1: Chicago, the other one.
7: Chicago,
1: there, there you, you go. go, you're a winner. Come on wow. up, congratulations.
7: Nice work. There
1: Good go. job. Carlton Fisk, uh, probably most famously known for two things in my book. One, the home run, the foul ball. Of bowl. course. And the other one for obliterating Deion Sanders for not respecting the batter's oh, box. That's, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. Good call. That's awesome that yeah. he did not take to that kindly. Oh. So this is a, uh, the national is something is it's it's crazy for us right you were mentioned you mentioned comic con earlier we talked about that but what are, what are your thoughts about the national it's i'm sure you haven't seen like something like this sports cards in a while no
7: this I? blows my mind i mean the, the last national i was at was 2002 okay and you know it was a big show and i certainly spent a lot of money and i had a great time but god it could not be a quarter to a half of what this is now sure and the thing that blows my mind is i had assumed coming into this show this weekend that the older stuff, the stuff I'm really into, would be kind of picked over by this point. There wouldn't be a ton of it out there. It's right. the opposite. Like like this show is just packed with vintage to the point where my wife is reminding me about every five minutes via text don't buy anything, don't buy anything, <laughs> you have enough, you don't need anything. Uh, I am just blown away. I, I've actually texted our, our home crew back in San Francisco and our uh, one of our main designers is Todd Radom, who is well known in the sports design world. He's the king of sports design. Sure. Uh, that you know, next year, this is in Atlantic City. We need the entire design team to come to this for at least a day, because the amount of inspiration you'll find in walking this hall, when you're looking to create vintage baseball product, because keep in mind that we don't just do action figures. We do glassware, we do felt pennants, we do apparel. Um, all of these other products are going to be influenced by the vintage stuff that we see. And I've probably taken literally 250 to 300 pictures today on the floor, and we'll do it again tomorrow because there's just unreal stuff here.
1: So because I know your wife's not listening right now, <laughs> did, you, did you find something that you couldn't
7: live without? I did, um, and it's probably the most random purchase anybody is going to make. I bought a T-shirt from Dave Kingman Day at Wrigley Field in 1977, and I've, ne- I've always seen it, like I've seen pictures of it in books and on eBay, but I've never actually seen the shirt. So I did spend $20 on a 1977 Dave Kingman t-shirt. Um, I'm sure I'll find other things too, but that was a pretty sweet find. Considering
2: 20- some of the price tags out there, I don't think your wife <laughs> can be too you upset about the $20
7: t-shirt. She, she'll be very relieved, that's all I bought today. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome.
2: I, all right, I, Bart- I, w- I wanted to say something real quick. So I, I, I love these figures, but growing up as somebody who collected sports cards, religiously and love G.I. Joe's mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like this is a marriage of two things I, I absolutely love and do, did you I'm guessing you did since we're talking about making purchases here but what sort of sports cards did you collect back
7: um so, so my my collection's always been very Dodgers focused because that's where I grew up I was also big you know being born in 68 I was nine when Star Wars came out so I was very big into Star Wars too oh, yeah uh, but sports wise, I was heavily baseball focused with a little bit of, of baseball, of basketball and football. But I looked backwards. Like the Willie Mays thing made me look backwards. Like in 74, I started buying cards and I got—I distinctly remember getting a Hank Aaron. And now it's like I went to the library and checked out a book on Hank Aaron. Well, I'm reading about Hank Aaron. You learn about Eddie Matthews. Well, now I want Eddie Matthews cards. And oh my God, Johnny Logan or Del Crandall or whoever else played on this amazing 57, 58 Milwaukee Brewers te- or Milwaukee Braves teams. Like, I've always had this kind of mind that wanted to go backwards and learn more about the history and the heritage of what brought us to this place. So I would buy, like, 75s and 76s and go to card shows and trade those for T206s or 33 Gaudis because the dealers were more interested in having, say, a George Brett or a Robin Yount than they were a Lou Gehrig at that point. And I did well enough doing that that it gave us a really nice down payment on our first house when I sold that. I sold the bulk of that collection, you know, in about 90 Four ninety-five, 95, something like that. Awesome. Very awesome, cool. That's a great story. Bart,
1: I wanna thank you for uh, so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. The line is great. I hope to do some more work with you in the future. I wanna have you on a Fat Packs uh, show just to have you on as a guest and, sure. and talk about your collecting habits. So <laughs> Just uh, say when,
7: I love it. Love your show.
1: Awesome, thank you very Keep much. Keep your eye
2: out for the George Brett figure yes. coming <laughs> soon. Yes. If coming a, soon.
1: If we get a round of applause for Bart, I really appreciate it. And then next we're gonna pull up uh, Stu Stone Stu is on the uh, on the stage ready. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Don't run off. Nope. Well, Stu ready or then. awesome. Thanks Thanks. All right, Stu Stone joining us. Stu from Jack of All Trades, this is a this is Hello, a
2: great you? How are you doing? Good,
0: good, to good, you.
1: good to see you. A great movie. Uh, it's it's been distributed on Netflix now. It's it's a little bit of everywhere now, right?
0: It is uh, thanks to Breakthrough Entertainment, uh, Jack of All Trades, Netflix. Uh, we are at the National. This is wild stuff. I mean, there's he knows. He knows. That's yes, that. Uh, what's
1: up? We what's have. We're here. All of our fans are
0: here. This is great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be all right. So let's first let's let's talk about the movie. Is that okay? Can we do Please, that? Please. Yes. Where where did you get the like? Where did the inspiration for this come from? Because if anybody's seen it, it it. It starts one way and then takes a turn. So I, where did the inspiration for the start of the movie come from?
0: Uh, I would say that uh, a lot like a lot of the people who are here at the National who are relatively close to our age, I mean, we all grew up obsessed with baseball cards. Right? Right, right, And so, you know, I had these boxes that I knew that, you know, my mom had been harassing me about these boxes that were sitting in her place to get rid of them. And I, I, I knew that I had the best collection of baseball cards when I was a kid. I hadn't even looked at them in... 25 years, and uh, you know, my dad used to own baseball card shops, so you know, I had to have the best collection, or else I was, you know, what kind of an idiot would I be if I didn't? Right. right? (laughs) So, uh, you know, I figured, you know, the last time that I had checked in with the hobby, these cards were worth a fortune. So I thought, you know, maybe we're going to go in and we're going to be able to find some buried treasure. So um, myself and uh, you know my sister and my uh, and Adam Rodness, my partner, we went to a company called Breakthrough Entertainment, and we uh, pitched them on the idea of like, hey, what about a documentary on baseball cards? And you know, we did it, and uh, it was a very difficult movie to get out into the public. Really? You know, to be to be quite honest, not a lot of people wanted this this movie. It's like we made this movie. Uh, and broadcasters they didn't want it and we tried to shop it around and people would watch it and they just nobody wanted it and uh the strength of the baseball card collectors is i think what made it happen to what it is now i mean i've been i've had a social media page jack of all trades on instagram and on twitter and every day i've been posting pictures of 80s and 90s baseball cards and right. engaging people and making friends and learning about the hobby and talking to people. And I think that when we finally released the movie on iTunes, it was those people. It was like a small but mighty group of people that uh, sure. that went and supported the film and caused it to surge up the charts on iTunes. And all of a sudden Netflix comes into play and is like, hey, what's this? Uh, you guys want to uh, have this on Netflix? And you know, two weeks later, we were one of the top trending films on uh, Netflix and where we continue to be.
2: So you guys had already released before Netflix said, hey, we're we're interested in taking this property on?
0: Yes. Uh, we had it out on iTunes. In uh, It came out in May on iTunes. I want to say May. It might have been April, but we'll go with May on iTunes. And then by July, it was on Netflix.
2: So, well, congratulations. From a fellow filmmaker, I can tell you, like, getting your film on Netflix it's, it's is a It's crazy, deal. right? I mean, That's people amazing. don't
0: understand that, like, this is, like, for a documentary, this is, like, the best possible scenario we it could really be is. in is it, to be on Netflix. And to have it trending and have the people uh, uh, who are in the hobby or collectors get behind it has been so amazing. Um, you know, I know we've met before. Right. Um, I definitely, you know, you're, you work with the guys at uh, Beckett a lot, right? Right, right. I mean, and, yeah. And, 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 well, I saw you in Toronto, right? Correct.
1: Uh, I, I want to go ahead and just interrupt you. My stuff got cut, but I'm not mad.
0: I'm not mad. You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> You were too good looking, man. Is that what it was? <laughs> no, but I have a bunch of footage, as you can attest to, yeah. of stuff that didn't get in. So it's right. like you know, I was—it was a real battle for me to even keep what was in there. Yeah. You know, you got 85 minutes of time. You're a filmmaker. So, so I and, shot and 27
2: it, days. I was going to ask you how many how many hours of footage
0: did I you mean, you're talking consolidate about this into a like hundreds of hours, five years of work, uh, hundreds of hours of footage to to, to tell an 85-minute story and a, a story that I was only get allowed 31 minutes of it was allowed to be about baseball cards. Really? So what stays, what doesn't stay? Uh, the bottom line is now that there's been interest in the film, there's definitely interest in what's next, What and is there more, and there is definitely more. I personally went to Dallas. I went to Beckett. Uh, we had the best time there. We graded cards. Uh, This Luis Medina card, which uh, a lot of people don't know what I'm talking about, but card number two in the upper deck set. Mm -hmm. There's a whole thing that uh, I'm planning on putting something together. Uh, uh, You know, there's a whole thing. But I also saw, you know, we interviewed Will Clark. We investigated the Billy Ripken uh, 1989 Fleer card. Sure. We did told a bunch of other stories that uh, obviously didn't make it into the final picture. But they'll that, that now that there's a demand for it. You know that's when now the cards are back in absolutely <laughs> now I can do stuff with it so I, I'm curious
2: because as we as we said making a feature film is a huge undertaking shooting a documentary is an exceptional undertaking because of the volume of footage you're capturing and then and then creating your story out of that so with, with that I, I think your friend said five years in the making what did you learn about yourself? through making this film?
0: Well, it's interesting you say that. It's a very personal film on a lot of reasons. Um, there's obviously, a, uh, uh, you know, my father, he used to be like a baseball card kingpin in the 80s and 90s, and having not really had him be in my life for, you know, the better part of 25, 30 years almost. This, uh, I don't know if you've seen the film yet, but I don't want to ruin it if you haven't. But, uh, you know, it's. I learned a lot about myself, put it that way, um, sure. but also just, uh, in filmmaking, you know, our company 5-7 Films and Breakthrough Entertainment, we do a lot of horror movies and we have a kid show on TV, scripted stuff. And so this is a documentary, it's a whole different thing. And it's like, you don't tell this, you don't know what the story is going to be. You just shoot and shoot and shoot. And, and then you have all this, all these puzzle pieces that you have to try to make them fit. And uh, you know, those stories really put together in post-production by when you're sitting with your editor putting it together more so than a traditional movie where you have a blueprint and a script. There's no blueprint. We have no idea what's gonna happen until it happens. And uh, you know, it's it's been really an incredible journey. It's a labor of love. We didn't make a lot of, uh, you know, we didn't get rich making this movie. You don't get rich making a documentary. Sure. But uh, you know, the exposure has been absolutely insane and having, uh, you know, a premiere on Netflix and you know, getting to come to the National and having the hobby be welcoming, welcoming us with open arms and treating us great. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been an unbelievable experience here today. I, I bought a bunch of cards here, you know, it's like, I love it. <laughs> so, following the, the theme of the movie, did you,
1: did you, did did all that bring you back into the hobby? You, see, you just said you, brought, you bought
0: a bunch of cards. Like, did it spark an interest again for you? Of course, man. Yeah. Listen, man, collectors are not made, they're born. Sure. And I'm a born collector, and you know, people call it you know hoarding or whatever you want to call it. But <laughs> Everybody collects something. And you know that's okay. That's good. Some people collect stamps. Some people collect Beanie Babies. Some people collect uh, you know, whatever. Right, right, whatever. But but baseball cards is that's a good hobby. Uh, you know, hockey cards, baseball cards, basketball cards. It's 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 a really great hobby. There's my sister Carrie. Oh, there's Carrie. Carrie. <laughs> she's uh, she's here as well. You so guys.
2: You... I, I, I... I, no, go ahead, no, no, you're good. I, I had a question, and I I saw the movie about two months ago. I'm so excited with the like the traction I'm seeing it growing online, and I'm I'm, crazy. I'm seeing it pop up more and more in my feed, which makes me really happy because I, I tried to be kind of an evangelist for this movie because I, I loved it immediately. Um, Thank you, but, man. So I, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to give away any spoilers. We talked
0: before about this. We,
2: we have yeah yeah, yeah we've chatted a little bit online about this, but if you haven't seen the movie, do yourself a favor and watch it. You'll you'll love it. You will relate to it. Um, there was there was a moment in the movie that I felt was such a great piece of storytelling, and and I, I'm sure when you captured it, you were like, "That's fantastic." You know, it like you said, when you're making a documentary, it's not scripted. You don't know what's going to happen. A lot of times, you find gold along the way that you weren't necessarily expecting. And I, I won't give away the the plot twist or anything here, but. The the collect or the dealer that you met that had uh, interaction with your your father at some point in time yeah and you were expecting one thing and it turned out to be that was crazy totally different that was crazy it, it was it was a beautiful moment I feel like there were so many good moments in this movie but that was one that really stuck with me because it it was it was really redemptive in nature. It uh, was
0: shocking to me because I was, you know, I was brought up sort of like learning the story. I was always told was one thing, like, you know, that my dad left and torched every bridge that he crossed when he left. And so I always thought he screwed everybody over. And, you know, I think in the end, maybe it was just his family. But the people that he did business with, they all spoke very highly of him. And I was very shocked. You know, I walked around the national convention today and I saw... 1990 Upper Deck French hockey packs, for <laughs> like three bucks a pack. And I was like, Oh my god, these were like ten thousand dollars a case back when. When I'm, you know. But that was the currency right, in the movie. That was the at, currency at in point. the movie, right? Uh, but yeah, that was a really that was crazy to me to, to find that out, right? And uh, you know, that's part of making a documentary. You're going to get answers to questions you didn't even know you had. Uh, Sweet, it was wild. It was wild.
2: Uh, I I would imagine. Um, I, so, can you, can you kind of expand upon, like, what's next? I know you, you mentioned it earlier, but uh, for those of us who have seen it and, and those of us who have heard of it, I know we're excited to see what you get your hands in next. And will it be hobby-related, or was this kind of like a one-off thing for you? I don't think
0: this is... I, I for sure can say confidently this is not a one-off thing for the hobby. I mean, I'm definitely uh, approaching this as a let's see what, we can, what else we can make happen. I know there's a lot more stories to tell. I know that we've now demonstrated that there is an audience for this type of stuff. And all of the people who, who passed on the movie are now eating their words because they're seeing now like that this is an explosion of popularity, this film. So there's clearly an appetite for it. And there's lots of more stories to tell. Uh, I know there's like definitely some scandals that are still going on in the industry. And I, I don't necessarily... I think I can hang up my detective badge. I don't think I need to you know, leave the detective work to to the detectives, but as I've said, you know, if people are doing business the right way and they're not cutting corners, pun intended, you know, <laughs> I think they have nothing to worry about. You know, it's like, do business the right way and you've got nothing to worry about. And and I'm not, you know, I, I wanna tell the positive stories. I wanna, you know, sh- see what the, what the hobby has evolved to now. Where is it at now? Where is it heading in the future? the breaking phenomenon that's going on right yeah uh you know there's oh, oh, tons of podcasts there's a whole community of 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 people that are talking that that didn't exist in the past the gary v effect the gary v effect the stew stone effect <laughs> there you go <laughs> the uh the uh you know it's it's an exciting it's an exciting hobby it's, it is as exciting as it ever was and even more so now the products are cooler now they have autographs they have you know, it's it's a different world than 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 when we were growing up, and uh, it's a, it's pretty exciting. So I I'm, I'm not, I think we've just scratched the surface of what uh, of of what, what what's out there. So speaking of
1: cool products, I was wondering if you would open a new one with me. You, I would love can, to. Can, can we do that? So this was donated donated from Real Breaks. Can you pass that down to Jeff? Sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Here we go. 2019 Top's Chrome. Is that Vladimir Guerrero That's on the Fl- cover? Vladimir Guerrero on Ladi. the on the cover. Uh, Donated. Come on up here, Kerry. Come get one. Donated from Real Breaks. Uh, guys, right over there. The breaking phenomenon is real, and it's happening on Facebook. Uh, yeah, yeah come on over here, Kerry. So, uh, I just the the stuff that you that was featured in documentary was all mid '80s, early '90s stuff. I wanted to open something modern with you. I'm so excited. So let's do this, man. Let's let's get into this. Yeah.
0: My sister Carrie is now joining us here on the main stage. Hey, how are Carrie it? is also plays. Placed- She's one of the only females in the building right now. <laughs> that doesn't look like. Never mind.
1: <laughs> so here we go. Let's, let's just get into this, man. All right. Uh, have you ever opened Top's Chrome no, before? No. Never. In my all right. Life. So this is the Top's base set, but it's a it's a beautiful chrome version of it. So uh, you're gonna find refractors. You're gonna find all kinds of inserts and stuff. So. I opened. Oh, the- I just got a Shohei Otane. There you go. Nice Very pack. nice. Wow. That's a good start. That's a great start. In the first pack, I pulled the autograph. It's a Miles Straw from the Houston Nationals. Rookie autograph, refractor number to 499. I see a young man in the, uh, in the audience there. Come on up. You win, a, you win a Miles
0: Straw autograph. Congratulations. Wait, I think this kid also wants a Mike Trout. Oh, you want a Mike Trout? You win a Mike Trout? It's Mike Trout. There you go. Congratulations. You guys remember Don
1: remember West? Yeah. Don West, uh, man, that's a you pulled a Prism Refractor there. Oh, is this good? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Joe Panic. Uh, this
0: is so fun. I hope I pull a Vladimir Guerrero.
1: Got a Walker Bueller back-to-back on this. Uh, one one is the Refractor version, and the other is the uh, just the base version.
0: I got Edwin. Pretty Pair, nice. Stuart. I got you Here. Here, Stuart, I got you Edwin. Edwin Encarnacion. And and, Edwin Encarnacion. And uh, and Justin Smoke, I don't even think he's a Blue Jay. Yeah, I the other day. Right. Is that a good card?
1: It's, it's a pulsar refractor. Is that worth like a million dollars? No, 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 man! I hit another autograph. It's a Michael Copic autograph. He's from good the, from the Chicago White Sox. Hometown Rookie auto boy. right there. Very nice. Hometown hero here in Chicago. Justin Smoke uh, yeah. hit the longest home run I've ever seen hit live. It landed in a bowl of soup. That's a true story
6: did. I
0: haven't got anything. What do you mean all your good packs? There's no good Oh, packs very in. cool. This is so much fun. So how many autographs come in in a in a It's uh, two per box yeah, for the So you pulled so you pulled both. I pulled both. That was uh
1: not my fault. Here's a Future Stars Juan Soto so, refractive. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Who
0: are we getting. I got a Future Stars. They use the 87 Tops Future Stars logo. These yes, cool. I've been yes. Yes. It's been so much fun. It's so fun. <laughs> we have some Meanwhile, my sister's yeah. having some fun over I'm here. having the best time. <laughs> Sick, yeah. Oh this is gonna be good. Very nice. That's Jose Barros. This a well there is. Yeah, there right is. There.
1: Big shout out to Brad, the Pad cameraman in the house. This is a big
0: Justin smoke box. We got a lot of smokes. Very nice. Okay, check this out. Is this any good? It's Mike Trout. That, no one's excited. Mike Trout is obviously very good.
1: Young man in the Nike jersey, come on up here. You're an instant winner. Oh, you're so lucky. There you go. I pulled the second autograph, so you get that one. Michael Kopek of the Chicago White Sox. Congratulations. You're go. welcome.
0: Oh, that's so fun. I wish we were there. Why weren't we invited? You kidding? I would have sat there all day. We're setting up Pat Geek
1: videos right now. There's nobody in there. And my finest that's my final that. card is a Justice Sairfield 84 Refractor. Come on guys, come on up here. You can have these cards. Come on! I gave the kids the autographs, but you can have that stack of cards. There you go. There's a stack right there for you.
0: Congratulations! Oh, I got another one of those fancy oh, yeah, ones. Yeah, awesome. We got a Jacob Nix. Jacob Nix.
2: So, so Stu is from the uh, the era of collecting that I am as well, yes. and and we're 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 still trying to wrap our heads around these. Super shiny, limited edition, uh, rainbow colored bars, but they are fun
0: to pull. Do you Very like Kevin Pilar? Do you know who that is? Just say yes, and I'll give him to you. Here, Kevin Pilar, here he is making there, a catch. It's a Jewish <laughs> athlete, right there. Kevin Pilar, enjoy a couple of years ago.
1: Uh, we did. A uh, twelve days. I'm I'm sorry. Eight days of Hanukkah giveaway on the on the podcast. Pilar, one of them. He, you know, he wasn't. So we had to we had to scour the vault of uh, Ed Beckett and try to find Jewish athletes. Sean uh, Green. Yeah, Sean Green was in there. Uh, we a- Amari Stoudemire. Yeah, we Arma Stoudemire was in there. Rod Carew. Rod Carew, absolutely. Um, That's it. For, Alex Bregman, former former Laker uh, Jordan Farmar. Really? Yeah. I, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: How about so, that? Got them. Got yeah. as many as I could in there. All right. Uh, you brought some things. What'd you bring? Well, I got some posters uh, from Jack of All Trades. I was expecting to have all of you guys here. If you guys want some posters, uh, I don't know if they do, but sure, absolutely. If you want one, please I can sign it to you, and that would be great. Jack of All Trades
1: posters. So, guys, if you want a Jack We're of All one? Trades, if you want a Jack of All Trades poster, please come on up, get one. Stu will sign but it for before you. Before we do that, I
0: want to open up some. I want to open up some packs with you. Okay, sure. That's, isn't that I got three packs here. Oh no! This that? That's That's, this is my pack. Now you're this That's is the my wheel pack. Wheel and you, these kids gotta eat the gums. i so
1: so. Uh, Stu Jeff, Jeff and I do a do a pretty fun thing. Yeah,
0: don't have an
1: the worst card. The worst card pulled. Okay.
0: you gotta okay, eat the here. gum.
1: Yeah, so the worst card pool has to eat yeah, the gum. The worst
0: card, no, no, the, the the winner doesn't have to eat the gum. The other two have to exactly, eat the gum. Okay, that's yeah, that's yeah, what that we works. do. Pack poker, your best card wins. Best card wins. All yes. right, I'm down for that. If you guys want to Where's stick Michael around and see us chew. Oh, I got a good one. I got a good one. It's going to be tough to beat me. All right, what do you got? I got a Barry Larkin oh, rookie card. Oh, oh no. no. And it's centered for a change. Oh, no. Might want to get this graded over yes. there. Does anyone have a... Uh, any interest in grading a Barry Larkin? I don't,
2: I don't, like, our, I don't like our chances right now. I don't well, like our
0: chances either. I think you guys this are going to be eating cards.
2: gum.
0: Candy Maldonado. Oh, no. No, no, no. Barry Larkin. Oh, I got a Barry Larkin oh, really? rookie. Oh, we got That's ourselves a kind of war.
1: We got two Barry Larkin rookies. Look at right? that. that. Mine's nicely centered, too. Oh, my
0: gosh. You got it, All right, give me my gum. I, I think I'm eating Oh, no. Both. We both got Larkins, so we, you two are we, eating the gum. Yeah, both you two. Yeah. We both got Larkin. Congratulations. Hey, this, you want this, this? If you get this card graded, it could put you through a semester of community college. <laughs> Do you want this one? I wouldn't.
2: It's awful.
0: That's that's a good card right there. That's a Hall of Famer, Barry Larkin. Google him.
1: Yeah, Google the him, man. please.
0: Do that. It just, it's you can put like yourself through community college now. one
1: semester. You might as well take the other one. Come on up here and take this other Barry Larkin. It's by the awesome. way,
2: never get into gum or I'm sorry, card poker with someone who brought
0: the packs. <laughs> Your I mean, odds are not good. And by the way, uh, this is a this is a typical this is a typical 1987 tops pull right here. Yeah, definitely. Well, look at the centering job. Oh, that's a job. job. That's a beautiful this, cut. This rape night. <laughs> Sweet. It's, uh, it's like my awesome. political it's a, it's like my political beliefs a little off centered. <laughs> What's going on with Carl Best right here? He looks like he's Trying to he's be- looking the worst. Very sexy, but he's fat at it. If you guys, do you guys want to win a trip to spring training 1988? <laughs> you can win a trip to you Florida. You bring
1: the DeLorean, we'll All you make need this is happen. a flux capacitor, and you could go back to So you can to eat the gum? Oh, it's done.
0: Oh, he ate the gum. We both did it. Well, here's another piece. Guys, I'm not going in for this round. Sweet. <laughs> did you eat a piece already?
1: Summer right. <laughs> 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 what
0: is already,
1: All right, so guys, if you want to autograph Jack of All Trades poster, just come on up
2: here and get guys, one. Guys, get like, these literally. posters. He's going to autograph them. This is a collector's oh. item. Once yes. you see the movie, you'll be really excited you have this. All right. That
1: means all three of you kids, come on. Come all up right. here and get a Jack of All Trades poster. Kerry, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it.
0: Hey, you guys want one? Take care. Take care. Of course. Out. You got was use- oh. oh. right there. Called Jack of All Trades on Netflix. You gonna watch it, or at least pretend to watch it? What's your name, Em? Julius?